Persons listening to this show should experience varying degrees of euphoria and might radiate a warm glow of truth from their entire being. This phenomenon sometimes lasts hours after a typical brain massage. If you are listening with another Lights On listener and they begin to glow, don't be concerned. This is a phenomenon normally associated with Pastor Scheidbach's patented brain massage technique and merely means the truth has set them free. The devil beware. Pastor Scheidbach is on the air. Hello, I'm Dr. Scheidbach, pastor at the Lighthouse Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California, and your brain masseur. Get ready for your brain massage. I have an announcement to make. Brain Massage Live is now on Rumble. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Palestine and the Palestinians, understanding the Palestinian mindset. It's unlike queer identity, my friends. This one truly is in their genes. Or at least the Bible suggests that. Red Dawn Dawning, only it's Asia, not Russia. Hamas, coming to a town near you. What has happened to parental rights? Are parental rights natural and inalienable? Update on the vax attacks and the proof the vaccines are unsafe at any dose. The masker slave class versus the free. Restoring sanity in medicine. My friends, it's time for your brain massage. Truth. Served here, flavored by delectable wit. Delicious sarcasm, succulent sagacity, a gourmet meal for the mind. Announcement, Brain Massage Live is now on Rumble. That's a live stream of the Brain Massage Show. When I was a kid, it was popular to call the street fight a rumble. So, let's rumble. Brain Massage Live is a long format version of the Brain Massage Show. It's more relaxed and we can take a little more time with our topics. We hope to be able to hire a tech guy soon who can handle producing the show. So pray with us. We're not in a position to take any applications right now. So please understand, just asking you to pray about this need. Those of you who check out our Rumble channel will notice I was not sure we were broadcasting last night. And that's because when I launched the live stream, I got a notification uh, from Restream uh, that said, do you want to continue without Rumble? The only option was to stop streaming or continue without Rumble. So I said continue and, uh, and then assumed we were not streaming on Rumble. But today, when I checked our Rumble account to, or our channel to look into this, I noticed the episode was posted. So, I don't know. I'll have to figure it all out later. Uh, but I'm glad we did get on Rumble, even if that notification really did kind of throw me off. <laughs> so uh, we are still in the learning curve here, folks. If you want the direct link to the Rumble channel, it's right here. And you, you can download my notes. And you've got it right there. Or go to my Rumble account. And that would be rumble.com forward slash user forward slash jshitebach. So now we're streaming on Facebook, X, and Rumble. We had LinkedIn, but it got dropped off for some reason. I'll have to check into that. And the fascists at YouTube, of course, have permanently banned me. I offer the Brain Massage Live every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday evenings, and we begin at about 9 p.m. You can probably find me on any of these using at jscheidbach. Okay, my friends, let's get started. How to know if you are a lights-on or a lights-off listener. If you find yourself suddenly feeling like someone turned on a bright light inside your head, and this is followed by a sense of euphoria, described by some as a feeling that you have just been enveloped into the warm and comforting embrace of the truth, then you are a lights-on listener. However, 
if you experience sudden bursts of rage, uncontrolled trembling of the lower lip, sweaty palms, and mental disorientation, then you are definitely a lights-off listener. Now that you know what symptoms to look for, is it lights on or lights off? Pastor is ready to receive your message. Your brain massage will continue in a moment. Call 805-314-2114. First, a quick primer on the word Palestine. The word Palestine is a derivative of Philistia, the land of the Philistines. It identifies the land bordered by Syria to the north, Egypt to the south, the Mediterranean to the west, and the Jordan River on the east. During the reigns of the kings of Israel, the land was called Israel. Only that part that continued to be occupied by the Philistines rejected the rule of Israel over that area, and I called themselves Philistia, or Palestine. This controversy dates back to Joshua's invasion of Israel into Canaan when God began the formal transfer of the kingdom to Israel. So let me give a little background on this. I think you'll find interesting. The idea of the kingdom, remember, refers to God's creation of Adam and Eve, mankind, and giving to them the dominion over the earth's resources. And then later in Genesis 9, after the flood, giving to mankind the sword of divine judgment to execute wrath against the evildoers. So when we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about dominion over the resources of the earth and the sword of divine judgment. Now, you know about Nimrod's tower and his founding of Babel, which became Babylon. You can read about it in Genesis chapters 10 and 11. God had given to mankind dominion, as I pointed out, over the earth's resources and stewardship of his sword of judgment to execute wrath against evildoers. And you can see Genesis 9, 6 with Romans 13 on that. And this goes with the kingdom. It defines what that term means throughout the Bible. Nimrod was the first man to establish a kingdom under him that was in defiance of God's rule in the earth. He was the first man who would be king. Nimrod brought all mankind under his power and in direct defiance of God's command to spread out over the earth. Nimrod wanted to herd mankind under his watchful eye. Hence, the Tower of Babel is often depicted as a pyramid, with the all-seeing eye capstone, was the founding of America an effort to resume the building of the Tower of, of Babel? Well, many Christians today think that the pyramid in the Great Seal is the depiction of Nimrod's tower, and the all-seeing eye over it is a Masonic symbol of the New World Order. The capstone depicted on our dollar indicates God as king over mankind. Uh, it is the eye of providence. Providence alludes to God's, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of our God's interpositions on behalf of America. The designer of the seal explained his meaning. Now, what you see in the back of the dollar is a um, a representation of the great seal. And the designer of that seal explained his meaning when he designed it. Quote, the I and the motto, Anuit, Coeptus, which literally means he who favors our undertakings, by the way. Uh, These things allude to the many signal interpositions of providence in favor of the American cause, end quote. Now, as for the allegation, this was a Masonic symbol associated with Osiris or uh, the one world government of Nimrod. 
You can take a look at David Barton's excellent book, The Question of Freemasonry and the Founding Fathers. Was America Founded by Freemasons? This, and I've got a resource here so you can, you can check it out. The speculative masonry, or what came to be called Freemasonry, uh, was not introduced into that fraternity until the early 1700s. And while this development is often credited for opening the door finally to the entry of Albert Pike in the mid-1800s, 1865, somewhere in there, to introduce full-blown occult pagan Baalism uh, into the American lodges, or that is, into Freemasonry. The fact is, in the early 1700s, Freemasonry looked nothing like the occult version that Pike introduced in his book, Morals and Dogmas, also referenced here, so you can find it. The vast majority of the founders were not members of the Masons. And the research that I'm going to cite here was conducted in earnest by members of the Masons, uh, no doubt in hopes to find proof they were uh, involved in Masonry. Instead, they continually found proof that they were not. The group that did the research is called the Masonic Services Association of North America, MASA. N-A, something like that. Yeah, M-S-A-N-A. They examined original Masonic documents and history and concluded, quote, Sadly, Masons are sometimes counted among the gullible who repeat the tall tale, often with a touch of pride. They may be guilty of nothing more than innocently puffing the importance of their fraternity, the Masons, as well as themselves, but they're guilty nonetheless. The time has come to state the truth plainly and simply, end quote. Well, we can appreciate their honesty. Quoting Morse in Freemasonry in the American Revolution, pages 44 to 45, David tells us, as David Barton, wall builders, he tells us neither of the Adamses was a Mason. John Adams, his own writing is declared, quote, I am not, never was, and never shall be a Freemason. That's from Heaton, Masonic Membership, page 109. Neither was James Madison, nor Jefferson, nor Hamilton, nor Carroll, nor John Jay, so, first of all, masonry was not then what it became under Pike. And second, only a small fraction of founders might have been active masons. So, this bit about the Eye of Osiris being represented in our great seal is just not true. Uh, that's used by uh, radical Freemasons following the heretic Pike. Uh, but it's not the Eye of Providence adopted by Congress for the back of the great seal. The Nimrodians want to replace the Eye of Providence with the Osiris Eye. No doubt about that. You know, with the Eye of Big Brother, universal government surveillance, and today they can, or they're close to being able to achieve it through AI, you know, artificial intelligence, and the central bank digital currency scam or routine, which is explained by the Federal Reserve right here uh, in my notes as a digital form of central bank money that is widely available to the public. The document clarifies that government digital currency would be owned by the Federal Reserve. Now, they use the word liability, but the bottom line is it means that they own and control it, just like they, could, they do the currency, the paper currency. Okay, I did get off point there a bit, didn't I? But when I chase a rabbit, I usually catch it. And most folks enjoy the rabbits too. So anyway, Nimrod was defeated and his tower destroyed. And when that happened, all mankind was divided into smaller kingdoms spread out all over the earth as God originally intended. 
And each of these groups uh, follow the pattern Nimrod set for them, setting up little kingdoms uh, of man with a human king all over the world. And, and then God began giving the kingdom, that stewardship over the resources of the earth and his sword of judgment, to the nation of his choosing. Now, after God scattered mankind all over the planet, he settled the kingdom, apparently, from what we gather, on the Amorites and raised up a king priest in a city called Salem, which, turns out, is Jerusalem. And that king was named Melchizedek. We learn about that in Genesis 13 to 14. Soon after the tower incident, God called Abraham and promised to give him the kingdom, Genesis chapter 12. Well, God arranged a meeting between the then current holder of the kingdom, Melchizedek, and with the future holder of that kingdom, which would be the seed of Abraham, Genesis chapter 14, is when that meeting took place. Then in the next chapter, God explained to Abraham that the kingdom would not be transferred to his seed until the iniquity of the Amorites had come to the full. That's Genesis 15, 16. Meanwhile, the Canaanites, which included the Amorites and the Philistines, who occupied Canaan, by the way, in the 12th century, that's important, uh, they came in from the Asian uh, from the Asian Sea, that area, the coast, uh, the westernmost coast of, of modern Turkey. The Philistines arrived in Canaan from the west and then down from the north into Canaan. At about the same time, Israel was coming into Canaan through the east and, and, uh, and up from the south. Present-day Palestinians assert their claim on the land by their ancient occupation of the land. But they were no more indigenous to Canaan than were the Israelites. They were newbies too. When Joshua led Israel into Canaan, the land between Syria and Egypt, bordered by the Mediterranean and the Jordan, well, they could not drive out the Jebusites, the descendants of the Amorites, who, uh, which held Jerusalem at that time, the city of Melchizedek. That city was not taken into Israel's power until David became king. Really? While Israel clearly dominated the region all the years following Joshua's conquest, they never could drive out the Jebusites from Jerusalem or from Zion. The final piece of the kingdom fell into place when David made Jerusalem the capital of Israel. Now that has significance. It goes way past our ability to deal with right here, but just think about it. During that entire history, the main opponent of Israel was the Philistines. God took the kingdom away from Israel and gave it to the Gentiles, beginning with Babylon. Then it went to Persia and then to Greece. Alexander, uh, founder of the Grecian Empire and worshiper of Satan, right, in the, in the name of Zeus, conquered all of the kingdoms of the world and God turned these all over to Satan and the glory of them. According to his own boast in Luke chapter 4 and Matthew 4, and Jesus affirmed it. It is the Greeks, by the way, who named the region Palestine, which is the Greek word for Philistia. Satan opposed Israel's claim to her promised land and to the kingdom. He was prince of this world at that time, and he inspired the creation of Palestine specifically to bar Israel's claim to the land. That was the point of it. But God sent his son, who conquered Satan, spoiled his house, 
and took all the kingdoms from him, and all the glory of them, out of his power and into his own power, declaring upon his resurrection that all power, exousia, right to rule, authority, all power is given unto me, he said, in heaven and in earth. All of it. Not part of it, not some of it, not even most of it. All of it. Matthew 28, 18, he offered to restore Israel to her land and to her kingdom. She refused. He turned to the Gentiles. And the gospel of the kingdom finally was uh, was turned over to the Gentiles in Acts 28, verse 28. And that gospel preached among the Gentiles finally brought forth a nation that presented to God the fruit of the kingdom. You see, Jesus said when he took it away from Israel, that it would be given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. Matthew 21, 43. Well, that was America. And America has been, really, and continues to be key to Israel. America was key to Israel reestablishing her nationhood. And then under Trump, reestablishing Jerusalem as her capital. I wish I had time to unpack all that. Now, when America is strong, Israel is secure. When America is weak, Israel is in trouble. We are connected. The Gentile nation that holds the kingdom does so as stewards to hold it until God is ready to return it to Israel. That will not happen until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled, according to what Jesus said. And that occurs at the end of this world system, when Jesus returns and destroys all the kingdoms of the world and sets up his own. Now, he's king of, this king of the kingdoms of the world right now. But he left to get a kingdom he's going to come back with, and that'll be the kingdom to come. Anyway, that's the deep background to this conflict many of you uh, never heard before, I'm sure. This war between the Palestinians and the Israelites goes way, way back to what the Bible calls the old hatred. Listen to this verse from Ezekiel 25:15. Thus saith the Lord God, because the Philistines have dealt by revenge and have taken vengeance with a despiteful heart to destroy it for the old hatred, in quote. God then proceeds to pronounce a judgment upon the Palestinians. Now that was written in the time Israel had just lost her kingdom, the days of Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel. Satan did not waste any time at all to pounce on these events and to reassert his people, the Philistines, to displace Israel from her land. Uh, he sent them in advance of Israel getting there, or along the same, about the same time Israel moved in, uh, intending to stop Israel from ever completely occupying her land. God told the Israelites to remain in Israel at the time that that Babylon took over. He promised them, if you remain, you're going to be taken care of. If you go to Egypt, you're in trouble. Well, they refused and they left. And uh, so, therefore, they turned it over to be just left alone and occupied by uh, God's enemies, the Philistines. Now, I'm not saying every single Palestinian is God's enemy. But you understand, I can't explain every single thing that's involved in all this. i just give you an overall uh, of the history here. If you listen to the Palestinians' reason. Um, it's just like Satan himself. Uh, they send over 2,500 missiles, or Hamas did, from Gaza into Israel without any warning, randomly killing civilians, men, women, and even children, beheading babies, raping women, dragging them in the street till dead, and then laughing about it, yucking it up. And all of that on October 7th. 
Israel uh, subsequently sends warnings into Gaza, leave or die. They get their act together and they start sending in firepower to stop the attack originating from Gaza and eliminating the threat. And then people are killed. Well, what do you expect to happen? And in Palestine and all who are wicked, Satan-inspired uh, idiots scream foul and rebuke Israel. And the whole attention goes to Israel's bad, Israel bad, Israel bad. Like It's like orange man bad, you know, same kind of spirit. And then when a rogue misfired missile lands on a Baptist hospital in Gaza, everyone blames Israel for targeting hospitals and killing little children. Forget about the, the 40 beheaded babies and murdered babies, many of them beheaded. Forget about that. Let's just all talk about this. It makes me crazy. And the Palestinian ambassador to the UK goes all ballistic, criticizing Israel, demanding the international community condemn Israel for this war crime. But when interviewed by peers, and, and when peers simply tries to get this child of Satan, this Palestinian moron ambassador, to openly condemn October 7, which you would think would be the easiest thing in the world to do as a Hamas, uh, as a Hamas attack and to identify these Hamas monsters as the terrorists that they are, he refuses and he starts harping about peers declaring Israel a terrorist. Why don't you declare Israel a terrorist country? And why don't you call Israel terrorist? This is ridiculous. You call them terrorists and then I'll call Hamas terrorists. Oh, quit it. It's just nonsense. Israel has never, without warning, launched any sort of massive attack on any other country. Israel has only defended itself against these wicked, perverted people. She's only ever responded to being attacked. Every single time. And then it turns out the missile attack on the Baptist hospital was a misfired missile from Gaza, not from Israel. And that it did almost zero damage. Well, it's a mess, but nothing like what they, they, they claimed it leveled the hospital, made a crater, and did all this, killed all these people, 500 people, all this nonsense. That's a bunch of lies. I, I think I read it turned out to be no more than an auto insurance claim. Yeah, yeah, here it is. I, I'm looking at this video. Oh, good night. I mean, compared to what it is they made us believe it happened there. And it's available to you here in my notes. Uh, the hospital is not demolished. The rooms are not destroyed. Some were injured by shattered glass, and seriously so. And some cars were destroyed. A bunch of the cars were messed up. And that's it. So, yeah, I, I agree with this this Twitter post I saw. You know, from 500 murdered and, uh, and a demolished hospital with a great crater in the ground, all that junk, all the way down to uh, mostly an insurance claim, an auto insurance claim. Can you believe these people? They used this to whip up almost universal condemnation of Israel. And you should see the condemnation. It was loud. It was angry. It was full of self-righteous indignation. But the denunciations against Hamas, measured, careful, limited. Right? You remember that? When it came to Hamas, cooler heads said something to the effect, this is not a good way to behave now, you Palestinians. Let's play nice. The whole thing should never have happened. We, and I mean as a country, we allowed these wicked usurpers, Biden and his, his, his clown act, to steal the 2020 election. And this is what you get when you sit back and let, let them steal our voice, let them steal our right to choose. Now, I, I've gone way over my time for this segment. Good night. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and finish up. You should have a more clear understanding of what this is all about. Uh, now that I've given you some deep background, I, I might only add, however, the hand of Ishmael into all of this. 
Egypt is staying out of this and on the side of Israel, by the way, or at least they're quiet about it. But a lot of this poison and the old hatred there in Palestine comes from a son of an Egyptian woman whose name was Hagar, whose son, um, with his 12 children, populated that area, mixing, mixing in with the Philistines. Abraham took his wife's counsel and took her handmaid Hagar and produced a child named Ishmael. Well, later, when Ishmael was about 18, I think, Sarah had given birth to a, an heir for Abraham named Isaac. Jealousy ruined it for Ishmael and Hagar, and ultimately they were sent away from Abraham. The enmity between them grew, uh, at least until Abraham died. There's some minor indication they might have gotten together uh, over their father's death, but it doesn't seem to have healed the wound or the enmity between them, because that went on and grew into some serious conflict over the centuries. What we know is that Ishmael grew up to become a wild man whose hand would be against every man, and every man's hand would be against him. That's what Genesis 16, 12 predicted. And then Ishmael mixed with the people of Canaan, so you've got the enmity of the Philistines mixed in with the enmity of Ishmael, right? And, uh, and, and, and Ishmael with a kind of genetic disposition, predisposition, to being angry and hostile and wild, according to the Bible. So, you know, it's, a, it's not the ideological kind of uh, nonsense that goes on with the gender-blending game that's played. This really does come from some genetic predisposition. Anyway, here's what the Bible says about that in Genesis 16, 11, And the angel of the Lord said unto Hagar, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren, Genesis sixteen eleven. So, yeah, it looks like I've really just uh, taken up my entire time with this. Uh, so anyway, uh, we, we are introducing Brain Massage Live. It provides a longer format, a more relaxed format, and uh, one where I can take a little more time to develop some of these things. So perhaps Saturday, during our Brain Massage Live Comfort and Counsel for the Present Distress, I'll deal with Red Dawn Dawning, only it's Asia, not Russia. And then maybe we can get into what happened to parental rights. Are parental rights natural? Well, they are. An update on the vax attacks and the proof that the vaccines are unsafe at any dose, although I dealt with that Thursday night during my Brain Massage Live episode. You can find that on Bumble or on Facebook. So I'll not likely go back into that unless some new information becomes available to me. And then the master-slave class versus the free. I hope you're among the free and you don't walk around wearing the symbol of your slavery to the tyrannical Nimrodian government. That's exactly what that's all about. We'll give you more information about that later. My friend, I've lit the lamps in the church belfry arch. You let me know you see they're on, if you see them. Email me by going to our website, brainmassage.net. That's brainmassage.net. Find the Contact Us button, send me an email. Or you can leave me a message on our listener response hotline. Dial 805-314-2114. God bless you, my dear friends. God bless America. I will be in my pulpit tomorrow, and I hope to see you in church. 
Masks don't protect against viral infection. In fact, they make matters worse, and they signal surrender of your bodily autonomy to the government. If you insist on wearing one, make sure it's white, because you're raising the white flag of surrender to oppression. Does the Bible support a government mask mandate? Government did not create our body, and it does not have the authority to regulate our right to breathe. They say follow the science, but scientists disagree about public masking. The Bible speaks of science falsely so-called. We should indeed follow true science. This book examines mask mandates from science and the Bible. 964 scientific articles examined, zero support for masks, and scriptures make it clear. Government authority is limited. It doesn't have the right to interfere with our natural right to decide medical interventions or inalienable rights God has endowed to every human being. Science says the masks don't work. The scripture says government has no authority to interfere with your right to breathe. Get 20% off at booklocker.com using this discount code. Save 20. Let my people breathe. Unmasking the mask controversy with science and the scripture is also available at barnesandnoble.com, walmart.com, Amazon, and elsewhere. Go to godswar2020.com.